to the Andy Staple Show, and we are getting deep into our State of the Program series on the show and at The Athletic, and we got one of the more intriguing programs for you today. This is one that has made major structural changes in the offseason, and we'll see if it produces the kind of results that some of us were used to when we were growing up, and that now makes us feel very old. But to talk about the Miami Hurricanes we bring in our Miami Hurricanes expert from the athletic, Manny Navarro. Manny, I can't remember the last time a program underwent this much change in one year because not only did they change coaches, it feels like they changed philosophies in terms of what the university is willing to do with football. Yeah, thank Kirk Herbstreit, right, for his uh... – for, for basically ripping Miami on air on game day after that, that terrible start to last season, because that really is what lit a fire, uh, fire under Rudy Fernandez uh, and, and most of uh, you know, the school president staff, Julio Frank staff. I mean, they're, they were basically driven at that point to start spending money on football. And, you know, the question everybody always asked me, well, why did, why wasn't Miami doing this earlier? Well, they were paying bills for their medical school and, and all the other uh, medical bills that they couldn't cover uh, with with their hospitals and whatnot. And so um, I think it just got to a point now where they're sort of reaching, reaching, paying, their, being able to pay their bills on their own with their, with their health program. And uh, now there's some money to spend on football. And you also got a lot of boosters and a lot of people excited around the program that are giving more money to the program. And so that was the change. The change was money. So to put it in, in terms of more normal people, they paid off their truck and now they can buy a jet ski basically <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. And what, what's crazy is, you know, go back to when Mark Richt sort of suddenly uh, retired, right. When most people weren't expecting that out of the blue at the end of the 2018 season, um, you know, they didn't conduct much of a search at all. They just sort of trusted Blake James. Uh, and, and within 24 hours, Manny Diaz was coming back from Temple to take over this program. But at that time, everybody, and I would say, including, Mario Cristobal were expecting at some point that Miami's going to reach out to him, right? And and yeah. sort of start that conversation. But the program was sort of just in this tunnel vision of, well, we're ne we'll never have the money to, you know, attract a Mario Cristobal, somebody who could come down here and really change the program with the way that he recruits, the connections that he's made over the years at Alabama and Oregon. Um, and so it just became like this quick sort of change. And, you know, this time around, after Herb Street's comments, I mean, it was sort of like, well, how do we get this right? And and at that point, Rudy Fernandez, who's, who's basically Julio Frank's right-hand man, was like, well, we got to bring Mario back. And how do we do that? And the only way you can do that is by giving him every resource that he had at Oregon and every resource that he had when he was assisting um, Nick Saban in Alabama and tell him he can do the same thing here. And that's what happened. And and it just from from it felt like really just a couple of weeks um, you know, in, in November to, you know, Manny Diaz in the program sort of rebounding a little bit, but not really getting there. Right. They finished seven and five to, okay, full, full court press on Mario. He's our guy. And, um, as soon as they were able to get him, I mean, that, that just, that changed everything at Miami. Well, and that was one of the weirder coaching searches because it wasn't like they fired Manny Diaz and then no. went on a search. It was, 
if Mario doesn't come, Manny gets to keep being the coach, which is just an odd situation. I thought, and I thought Manny Diaz actually handled that as gracefully as a human being could, because I don't think I would have handled that very well at all. But I've talked to Mario, you know, before he left Oregon and, and since he left Oregon about this, and there was not going to be a chance he was leaving Oregon unless it was for a similarly resourced program or, or a better resource program. And so that, that's what amazes me, man, because I remember when the, when the talk about Mario started to bubble up, I was like, okay, well, but he's not going to the Miami we've been watching for the last 15 years. And not only did they change, you know, change coaches, they changed athletic directors. They, they bring in Dan Radakovich from Clemson who, who remember was at Miami before, but also was at LSU when right. Nick Saban was at LSU and kind of helped Nick Saban build the infrastructure at LSU that we now recognize to be sort of the blueprint to win national titles in college football. So it's, it's like it changed overnight. It really did. It really did. And, and now, you know, you talk about the, the resources for, for what, you know, was basically called the most expensive coaching staff in the ACC, right? They were going to outspend Clemson on, on staffers to this hundred plus million dollar space age football facility that that's what mario called it space age um that that miami look i mean you you've been on miami's campus over the years andy i mean how much has that place changed just within the last five to ten years it's incredible yeah and and what they're proposing now with this you know hundred plus million dollar facility is just going to be ridiculous miami's never had anything like that before um and look not that you need that stuff to win like that's not what's going to beat Alabama or Ohio state, but it's going to help you get some kids that can help you beat Alabama and Ohio state. Yeah. And, and that's something that Miami hasn't been able to do because they've been pretty mediocre for a long time now. And so you have to have all those resources. You have to have the elite coaches. If you're ever going to really compete for championships again at this level. And, and Mario, like you said, wasn't coming without it. Well, and, and I'm fascinated because they don't have to compete with Alabama and Ohio state right now they don't have to do it right away i'm sure the the miami fans would love if that happened overnight but i don't know that that's necessarily going to happen overnight they get a little runway here like until the acc divisions go away which could be as early as as 2023 like they're competing with north carolina virginia tech you know duke <laughs> georgia tech they, they've got a chance to to right now win the division and then who knows if they wind up playing Clemson in the in the ACC title game? Who knows? Yeah, you you have Tyler Van Dyke, which which a lot of teams wish they had. They had a quarterback like him, um, and and you've got some talented running backs. You've got some guys on defense that were former five star recruits. Uh, you know, some elite guys like Cam Kitchens who had a great f uh, freshman season. Um, look, there's a lot to fix, right? I mean, the tackling was atrocious last year. Um, the, the, you know, Kevin Steele's coming in here trying to sort of just get get the guys to tackle right they just just right. do your assignment man just do your assignment um and and so there's a lot to fix but as you said i mean this division first of all uh, there really is no beast right in, in the coastal i mean pittsburgh won last year they had a great quarterback who and and an offense that, that put up a lot of points to get there but you know kenny pickett's gone and <laughs> And Jordan Addison's gone, and Mark Whipple's gone, right? And Brennan Marion's gone. So, like a lot of the reasons that they were so good is, or they're, they're gone. And yeah. and by the way, Miami beat Pittsburgh last year in Pittsburgh. Okay, yeah. 
Like they lost. The, Miami didn't win the division because they they had some bad losses. Like right when Tyler Van Dyke was sort of coming under, you know, becoming the yeah, starter. Yeah, they should have and, beaten North Carolina. Like that. That was that was one that they. I'm sure they'd love to have back. But they did beat NC State, which was a good team last year. Yeah. Let's talk about Van Dyke because I I remember talking to Mario about this years ago and he was talking about this, the decision to take the offensive coordinator job at Oregon under Willie Taggart. And basically he just had to look a little bit of, of Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert was coming off his freshman season. And Mario looks at, at, at that guy and is like, Oh my God, of course I will take this job. <laughs> right. And, and the Tyler Van Dyke thing is, you know, probably unfair to compare him to Justin Herbert, but if you look at what he did at the end of last season where he, you know, I think you said in his last five games, he, he completed 70% of his passes was averaging like 360 yards a game through the air. This is a guy with some major potential. He's six four two twenty five. The The draft Nick people will love him. He could be ready to go this year. I mean, this may be the only year Mario gets with him. It, it, it's true. And, and look, uh, that's the one, you know, you're going to tip your cap to, to Manny Diaz's previous staff. You give it to Rhett Lashley and company who, I mean, he really fixed that quarterback room. That's, that's been such a big issue for Miami for a while. And, and Tyler, to me, what made him so special last year was just the downfield throws. I mean, he was really precise hitting guys at Charleston Rambo, Mike Harley. I mean, there were so many big plays. You go back to that Pittsburgh first quarter, right. And it's just like Tyler Van Dyke's just boom, the office is right down the field. And he's making tough throws. I mean, it's not like he had some tremendous offensive line that protected him. He was doing some of it on the run. Um, so to me, he's he's got the skills to lead you certainly to the to the division championship. And and if not, if if they're on their game and Clemson isn't, you know, the great Clemson teams that they've been in the past, they don't sort of become that team again. Then I think this is the kind of squad that that could win the conferences. It could be that surprise team, the same way Pittsburgh sort of was last year. You had a stat in your state of the program story that my jaw dropped when I read it. So you, you were talking about ACC champions, and since 2009, every ACC champion has averaged at least 33 points a game. And over the past four seasons, it's jumped to at least 40 points a game for the ACC champ. Miami hasn't averaged more than 40 points a game since it last played for the national title in 2002. Yes. <laughs> That's how long it's been. It, it's incredible. I mean, look, they had some good quarterbacks. They had Brad Kaya for a few years. Uh, Brad was talked about, you know, being a first round pick. He ends up sort of fizzling out, being a six round Felicia. pick. Yeah, basically, basically done right at the end. Well, of that's his a, that's his mom, right? <laughs> yeah, Felicia, right from uh, uh, from Friday, right? Um, so yeah, he just he never panned out. And I think you know, you talk to Alonzo Highsmith, who's now part of this, um, you know, organization. And to him, it was always quarterback was the biggest problem for Miami for the last 20 years. You know, ever since Ken Dorsey left, I mean, it, you had a few guys. Brock Berlin came in, you know, from from Florida. You had different guys that had a little bit of uh, success. But, I mean, they were really missing that 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 leader on offense. And and uh, and so I think now they've got that guy in Tyler and I think they've got that in the next couple of years. I mean, I think Jake Garcia is going to be a good quarterback here. I think Ja'Curry Brown, the freshman they just signed. I mean, Rhett Lashley has done a really good job with quarterbacks uh, and he sort of left things in, in good condition for Frank Ponce and um, Josh Gaddis uh, as far as that room is concerned. Well, you just made the SMU fans listening very happy because <laughs> last is their new head coach. So yep. uh, it sounds like that will be a, a, a position that they can, and especially where they are, they'll be able to do pretty well with that. But yeah, it, it, it does feel like quarterback was one that they never could get right. Uh, Tyler were and Tyler works with Malik Rozier, who, 
was one of the QBs that had some success yeah. over that time in Miami. And I thought, you know, he said something interesting to you about what Tyler is going to face this year. Cause Tyler was new last year. People weren't necessarily afraid of the deep ball yet with him. Now that they have enough film on him, they know he can burn him deep. He's got to get better at beating teams underneath. And, you know, with Miami, the thing though, with Miami, they, they've got so much speed on their roster. I, I'm imagining, you know, those Ohio state offenses that would, that would run drags and, and just, you know, run you across the field and, and you're hitting eight yard completions. But if, if the players are athletic enough and understand the offense well enough, they can turn those into something bigger, but that may be how they have to win instead of just bombing the ball down the field. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think, you know, losing Charleston Rambo who came over from Oklahoma last year and did a phenomenal job. He set a single season receiving record at Miami with yards and catches. Um, you know, that that's been the guy they've been trying to replace. I think since the spring started, I don't know that they have that guy on the roster yet. You have some talented young first and second year receivers, but it, it's one of those deals where it's like until they grow up, until they get to that point, um, I think Tyler's going to be throwing the ball a whole lot to his tight ends, to Will Mallory, to Elijah Roya, who, who came on last year as a freshman and did some good things. Uh, I think you can see him throw the ball to the running backs a whole lot. So this will be a different looking offense uh, under Josh Gaddis. And I think in large part because Mario and Josh, they're two guys who want to run the football. And yeah. I, I think that's going to be the biggest um, change in this offense is, you know, Rhett, uh, as good as he was at developing quarterbacks, the running game never really got going at Miami under him. And, Averaging, you know, 3.79 yards a carry, whatever it was, worse than the ACC. Mario is just not going to stand for that. Being an offensive line guy, he's going to want to pound teams into submission as he did at Oregon. And I think that's a fear a lot of Miami uh, fans have because they heard about Oregon and Justin Herbert and say, man, he didn't put up so many great numbers when he was at Oregon, right? It was kind of a more of a balanced offense. Well, I think you can still have a great quarterback thrive, but in an offense that also shows balance and runs the football. And, and look, they – they got to the Rose Bowl twice, right? I mean, they won the Pac-12 yeah. title. I mean, they I had success. Say, I would say their issue when they had Herbert was they didn't unleash him soon enough. They they unleashed him at the end of the season when they needed to in the in the Pac-12 championship in the in the Rose Bowl. But I, I think they were afraid because they didn't have a lot behind him, and that it was a very pedestrian offense when he they weren't using him to his full capability. And I, I think that's the fear with Mario as an in-game coach is will he kind of let it loose or will he be very conservative? Because I, I felt like a lot of the conservatism hurt Oregon at times that they, they did not ever reach their full potential despite being more talented than most of the teams they were playing in the Pac-12. You saw it in flashes where when, when they really put it all together, like at Ohio State last year uh, when they were at USC in 2019, those were the games where you're like, oh, I see, they can do this. But – those weren't an every game week in week out thing, which listen in the ACC, you can get away with that too. It's, it's not that bad, but yeah. you can't get away with that against Clemson. And if you have a stretch where you're playing, let's say NC state Clemson. And when the divisions go away, the schedule could look very different for Miami. You're going to have situations like that. And then, and then Miami plays Texas A&M this year. That's a prime example. Those are the kind of athletes that, that you have to play against when you're playing for national titles. Can they, consistently perform can the coaching staff consistently you know avoid that conservatism that can kind of cripple you yeah and and, and we'll find out I, I think ultimately you know tyler certainly is aware of uh, his nfl draft status i think he wants to put up 
huge numbers this year and thrive and continue to throw the ball down the field. But I think it could it could ultimately be a personnel situation. Do they do they have that receiver who's going to be the, the kind of threat that's going to allow them to uh, create separation and and sort of stretch defenses out? Um, you know, this Miami offensive line, as I mentioned, you know, they've got some guys coming back that I think are pretty good. Zion Nelson's Zion Nelson's gonna... 316 pounds, but he's a good left tackle. He's got no, be... I, I mean, what, <laughs> what was he when he was a, a freshman two, when they made two, him starting his 240? Two, well, 240. He, two, he came in at 240, he weighed 285 when he played against Florida. I mean, he went on that on that serious protein diet as right. soon as he got through the door, but he was terrible against Florida. You go back and you watch that film. And they started two freshmen at, at tackle, and Florida had 10 sacks in that game. It was ridiculous. And But but this guy's gotten so much better. I, look, I think the offensive line is certainly good enough to give him time to throw. It's not like he's got a bunch of – I think it's just a matter of do they get that that downtown threat to help him beat Tyler Van Dyke, and I'm not sure that they will. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. And then the defensive side of the ball, Kevin Steele comes in. Interestingly enough, the last time he left the ACC, it was kind of in shame that he had been at Clemson. Mm -hmm. They'd just given up 70 to West Virginia in the Orange Bowl. But then he went, worked with Nick Saban again for a couple of years, then was the D.C. at LSU and Auburn. And he was one of the best by the end of that at stopping spread up-tempo offenses. Uh, Even that 2019 LSU offense, it had its worst game against Kevin Steele's Auburn defense. So uh, it's... That one's interesting to me, too, because the level of athletes that he's going to be capable of getting at Miami, very similar to what he'd have at Auburn, there are going to be some years where it's better. I would think they will be able to play with the better offenses in the ACC. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, and, and look, Miami had one guy drafted this past year. Okay, one one player from Miami. That I mean, their, their streak almost came to the to an end. Yeah. Anyway. Seventh round, John Ford was the only guy taken in that draft. And he was sort of a, a part-time starter, right? And his time at Miami wasn't always consistently the starter. And so to me, I think there's more talent now. It's just young. There's a lot of young guys. That James James Williams is going to be a beast. Once I mean, he's a five-star freak, 6'5", 225 pounds. Uh, wherever they put him on the field, he's going to be a menace. Um, Leonard Taylor's very, very good defensive tackle. Um, led the team with nine and a half tackles for losses of true freshman. Um, there, he's got players to work with I think the linebacker position is is really when you look at this Miami defense and say okay where's it going to come from who's going to be the guy that wraps up consistently um Caleb Johnson they went they went and got him out of uh, UCLA um they added Mitchell Lagude also from UCLA two guys I mean UCLA's defense was okay last year it wasn't great and those two guys played a lot but it's not like they're superstars so to me right now it's kind of like let's go out to the transfer portal let's find some veteran guys to help us until we can get the younger guys going um, yeah. but this I, is a Jalen, Jalen Phillips, which was a unique situation no, where he'd been medically no. disqualified and, but was all, all world talent. This right. is a different, different situation. Yeah. Right. And I, I, again, I, I think there's enough. They went out and they got five defensive linemen that have all played Akeem Mesador from West Virginia, who was very, very good. Is going to yeah. be one of those. He's all big 12 guy. Yeah. Yeah. Jake Lichtenstein from USC started seven games, was effective, can play both inside and out. So they, they've got depth now, I think, on the defensive line. It's just linebacker. It's hot. Who, who's that guy that's going to emerge and, and be consistent for you? Um, but I like their talent, you know, in the secondary and, and, and up front on the defensive line. Yeah. So it, that's going to be fascinating to watch. And, and I don't I don't find it unreasonable to expect Miami to compete for the coastal title or even win the coastal title this year. I, you know, maybe ACC title might be asking a lot, oh, yeah. but it, 
I don't think it's unreasonable to see them to, to say you should be in the mix for the ACC title game in November, right? No, not at all. I think as long as um, you know this offense uh, continues to sort of perform at the level they did, 34 points a game the last two years under Rhett Lashley, um, whether it's running it or throwing it deep, whatever. I mean, you've got the kind of quarterback who can, who can keep you in the 30s, right? If you're in the 30s, I think you, you could probably win every single coastal game that you play because let's face it. I mean, those quarterbacks left. I mean, the the, the guys that at Pittsburgh and North Carolina are gone. Miami, you could argue has the best quarterback in that division now. So um, I I certainly think they're capable of winning division, winning the conference. I mean, look, they've never done it. Um, They've been to the title game once. I think at this point, if you're Mario, you get to the title game in year one, it sends the kind of message you want to your recruiting base that, Hey, we're not what we were before. We're, we're at a different level now. And I think that that would be meeting your goals in my mind. Well, let's talk about the future, though, because we can't talk about Miami's future without talking about one guy. And that's John Ruiz, who is not a football mm-hmm. player. Yep. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> he is a guy who runs a company and has been very active in the NIL space. He, well, he runs several companies, but one of the one of the companies that he's he's running is called Life Wallet. And that's the one he's using for the NIL stuff where he actually has the players doing ads for it. Uh, his, his, uh, his bigger company MSP was the one that they, they just did a, a stock offering on it. The stock dropped like a rock. So now he's got people potentially threatening to investigate him over that, but he's jumped headlong into this space and been yep. very upfront about it. I mean, he, he tweeted out what, what deal he was giving to one of the basketball players, which by the way, cost caused a little minor <laughs> fracas of, yeah. with, with one of the current players. But it is, it's interesting because that feels like another piece of the changing overnight. Like yeah. that, that was when that became available for them, they had it. And how much can that change the type of player that Miami can now attract? Well, I think it certainly puts them in, in, in the ball game for some elite guys who obviously are motivated by those NIL deals. Look, not everybody's going to go to Alabama and Texas A&M simply because they're getting good NIL deals. I think, uh, obviously, w- when, you're, when you're winning championships at Alabama and Ohio State, it sort of takes care of itself. But a program like Miami who wants to rebound, I mean, you need NIL. You need it to, uh, A, keep some of your players from leaving to go elsewhere, your good ones. And then I think, B, um, to be able to track some in the portal. And Miami went after a lot of guys. I know they went after Jordan Addison. I know they went after uh, Zay Flowers at Boston College, mm-hmm. who wasn't in the portal, okay? I mean, they're, they're guys who aren't in the portal. Um, and, and you know, those conversations happen. Um, so I, th- did they get all the guys they wanted because of NIL? No, but they certainly have a good system in place where if you're a recruit or a transfer, you're going to look at Miami in a different way than you would other programs because they've got this guy Ruiz um, who's paid over 100 athletes at Miami with NIL deals. So it, it's a good situation now. What's going to happen in the future with Ruiz and this investigation? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it's going to be something interesting to watch, certainly, Andy. But um, It's South Florida, Manny. I expect yeah. nothing less. No, I mean, this is how we roll down here, right? I mean, it's uh, cocaine cowboy country, right? That's uh, what I, I, I expect a Carl Hyacin novel to break out <laughs> at any point in time. It very well could happen. Um, I, I just I, I think for now, as long as uh, Ruiz 
uh, stays in business, right? And and yes, his stock fell, I think, to 86% of, of what, it, what it opened or whatever <laughs> what it, it was. Yeah, what it opened at. Yep. Look, he, he still has a, a successful uh, law business, okay? He's a lawyer. It's, he's got many businesses, as you said. Um, could he back 100 you know, students ten million dollars a year in NIL deals, like he's trying to do right now. Uh, he told me ten million is the most he'd spend. Um, I don't know if he can do that every single year, but if if he and some other wealthy individuals here in South Florida can can back Mario in that sort of capacity, then I don't think NIL will become an issue. I don't think Miami will lose anybody that they want to keep um, in the NIL game. With those is it guys is working. it possible? Because this is this is the thing. You and I come from one generation. Mm-hmm. And and Miami football, when the, it evokes an image to us that I don't think it evokes in someone who's twenty years younger than us. Like we we look at Miami football. I, like when I was a kid, I think of Russell Maryland and Alonzo Highsmith and Michael Irvin, and they were the baddest team on the planet. Like they, they were the team everybody wanted to be. They looked like they were having so much fun. Everybody hated the way they played. I do have a theory that Miami wouldn't be so hated playing like that now. Like there's a, po- a portion of the population that would embrace that style now, whereas only Miami fans liked it back then. But I, I'm this is a roundabout way of asking, can Miami football be cool again? You know, it's funny because Mario, even though he – won two national championships and, and was right in the thick of that era. Right. And, and Mario's the kind of guy, you know, being an, an MMA guy at heart, right. Who wants to beat, beat you um, physically on the field and dominate you. I, I think, you know, if they're winning championship again, yes, they, they can be that program again, but I don't know that, that, that that's necessarily Mario's style. Like, I don't, oh, it's definitely not his style. It's, I mean, you just, yeah. you, you just watch the way he coached Oregon. And when guys sort of started to hot dog it, like he just wanted to cut, cut it right away. Right. Cut, put it to a, to a quick finish. I think they could be off the field. I think in, in this NIL era where these guys are filming commercials, right. And getting paid for it. I could see a lot of that sort of, old school Kane Swagger coming out in commercials and, and, and on Twitter, but on the field, I, I, I don't think you're going to see Randall Hill, anybody pulling out the guns no. in the back, you know, I, I don't nobody running see- through the tunnel. <laughs> no, we're not going to see any cotton bowl type uh, celebrations. Uh, I tell you what, well, here's what we need. Here's what needs to come back. And, and I know uh, noted Miami fan, Luther Campbell would agree with this. Yes. The, all these SoundCloud rappers need to stop with this. Bring back real Miami bass, like, and and have that it. be the soundtrack of the new Miami football. Like, that's that's what I want. Like, can is DJ Magic Mike still around somewhere? Like, can we wheel him out, <laughs> or does he have a son maybe that could could help out? Listen, there there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of guys down here in the music. Chad Thomas, who, who played for Miami oh, a few well, years Chad ago, Chad Thomas he, makes beats for everybody. Yeah, he makes his own beats. So I'm sure he could figure out a way to get something going here um at miami look listen man i i would love to see the old school canes come back and just be themselves in this area you imagine just seeing these guys like go back to the warren sap days and ray lewis and all can you imagine if twitter existed when they were winning championships right i mean what what would we be writing we'd have like five writers covering miami are the ncaa rules still the same (laughs) as they were in the 80s because if twitter existed the the program might have gotten shut down so yeah yeah 
that's my favorite. When I worked at Sports Illustrated, I, I, I if I talked to a Miami fan, they'd say, "Were were you involved in that? Uh, why <laughs> right, Miami should know. drop football cover?" And I'm yeah. like, "No, I was in high school." So. <laughs> no, um, yeah, those days people are still sensitive about that all the time, and anytime Stu Mandel tweets about Ruiz, which he, he likes to do. Oh, I yeah. hear about it. I hear about it immediately. What's this guy doing? I get DMs. You know, what's he doing? Why is he attacking our NIL? Guy? Well, it, I find it fascinating because everybody's tackled NIL from in, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And Ruiz did it by essentially creating a company to have them advertise. Now, I I have not signed up for Life Wallet. I think I did download the app the other day just to kind of see, see what how's it, it, what's it look like, how's it work. <laughs> uh, but that's different from what other schools are doing. Other schools, they say, well, this guy's got a deal. And, this, and then you, but you never see him advertising anything. So you're like, okay, well, what's the, what are you paying them for? And a lot of times it's appearances and you show up at this location, you meet some people or you do a, you know, a golf tournament meet and greet kind of thing. But Ruiz has taken a different tack where he said, okay, here's the company. I'm going to have people advertise. Even Lou Headley, the Australian punter, he flew him back to Australia because mm-hmm. if you if you do the work in your own country, then you can be paid. If you do the work over here, there are immigration issues that, that come with that. So, I mean, it's amazing how much it's a great case study what they're doing versus what everybody else is doing. And that's one thing with Ruiz being a lawyer. I mean, he when I went to his office in March and I sat there and watched Tyler Van Dyke and five offensive linemen film this ridiculous commercial. Um, it, you know, he's he kept telling me over and over again. Everybody else, he goes, "I'm doing it the right way. I'm logging the amount of hours that they're coming in to film commercials. I'm showing people that they're actually doing work." Um, he said, "There's so many other collectives that aren't going to be able to sort of back up why they're paying these kids this money." and whether or not they're really working and so um look w- whatever happens with this company we'll we'll find out but i know from an from a lawyer perspective of hey am i doing this legally in terms of paying these kids i know he's trying to go about it the right way and and, and sort of right to- and, and florida state law is more restrictive than some of yeah. the other ones in fact absolutely the people who help make florida state law are trying to get it changed now to to make it a little closer to what some of the other states have so it this is all going to be very fascinating to watch. I, before I let you go, man, I did want to talk to you. And you mentioned a name earlier, Alonzo Highsmith, mm-hmm. former Hurricane great, but also longtime NFL executive, scout, you know, front office guy. He's now in the organization. It feels like Mario Cristobal has has hired some people who I don't know the. the for lack of a term, can call him on his BS. Like the, the, these are people who probably aren't going to be yes men and whose opinion he's probably going to respect. No, no question. And, you know, it's funny. Miami tried to hire Alonzo a couple of years ago. Um, Blake James went after Alonzo in 2020 after Miami lost to FIU and had that embarrassing finish to Manny Diaz's first season. So they had conversations with him at the time. Hey, can you come back? And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And, and essentially what Alonzo told me was Miami wasn't ready at the time to have somebody sort of, <laughs> you know, peeking over Manny's shoulder. Um, yeah. Mario didn't isn't worried about any of that. He knows what they did at Alabama. He knows what they did at Oregon. And hiring those kind of people on your staff to, like you said, um, make sure that, that he's doing things the right way, that's what he wants. I mean, t- yeah. to Mario, this is all about winning championships here. I mean, this is his legacy. 
this job. I mean, it's uh, 10 years, $80 million, and he's got the pressure. I mean, Rudy Fernandez and everybody that's spending this money, right, to bring the staff in, they expect them to get to the college football playoffs within yeah. four or five years. They, they're expecting championships. So he's not going to cut any corners. This is about, you know, making sure they're on the right kind of path. And Alonzo, you know, yes, he won a national championship in 1983 with Howard Schnellenberger and, and has been, you know, in the NFL for a long time now. But, you know, at his at his roots, Alonzo knows what it takes to win at Miami. Like he saw it when it was built with Jimmy Johnson and everybody else um, that came through here. And, you know, he knows what it takes. And so to me, he's he's almost like, you know, Mario was a great hire. This only makes it even better by having Alonzo on staff. Yeah, I, and and we were talking about – I was talking about this with somebody last week. Some coaches can't take criticism except from a certain group of people. There's only a few people that, that are yeah. – that they respect enough to take criticism from. Like, if Alonzo Highsmith comes in, there's nobody in that program that isn't going to respect what he says. And I feel like that's that's an important element to have because I think back like Clemson's a great example of this. Dabo Sweeney, one of the smartest things he did w- when he got the job is he hired Woody McCorvey as basically his right hand man. Woody McCorvey uh, was a longtime assistant coach in the SEC. He was Dabo's position coach at Alabama. Woody'd seen everything, done everything, he'd been everywhere. And Dabo knew as a young head coach that he was going to need some guidance along the way, and. There, and and so he picked somebody who, no matter how big Dabo got, he always was going to listen to Woody McCorvey. And I don't know that Mario had that guy out at Oregon. Mm-hmm. It certainly seems like he has that guy in Miami. So that 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 intrigues me. That because, like I was saying earlier, where there were some on-field coaching issues that I thought probably needed to be improved upon for Mario. It's possible now that there's some people around that if if it starts to head that way. And I don't mean like in the middle of the game, in the in the fourth quarter, but if something happens during a game, this is a person who can go into his office and say, hey, coach, you didn't handle this right. You may yeah. want to think about doing it differently. And Mario Cristobal is going to at least respect the advice. Ed Reed is still around. Well, that's another He's one. Another guy. It's another guy who's <laughs> You ain't going to look at Ed Reed and be like, no, nah, Ed, what do you know about football? Jason Taylor, Dolphin Hall of Famer. Never heard of him. On staff. I mean, you know, I mean, listen, he, he's brought in a lot of experienced winning voices. And I, uh, Charlie Strong, who's, who's, let's face it, he was a great coordinator at Florida, right? Didn't, wasn't so great as a head coach. He could, he could learn from him too, right? I mean, Kevin Steele, who's been at this, there's a lot of great sort of experienced voices in the room now at Miami. Go back and look at Manny Diaz's staff and what he did the three previous years. And you're like, well, he didn't have any of those guys. He had, no. he had Ed Reed come in <laughs> last year, and it just didn't and work. And they weren't sure what he did. And, no. and that's that's the thing. You, they, These people can't be figureheads. They have to have a role. They have to have a voice. And if they are, it, it can work. But you're right about the, the expectation. When they went all in, when they decided this is, this is how they're going to spend on football, then it does become a, you better make the playoff. You better compete for championships. But the thing is, Everything they're doing is the stuff that the teams that do compete for championships have been doing. So if they can continue this, like if they can keep the money flowing for four or five years, I see no reason why they can't do the same things as the other programs that are doing it like this. Yeah. And, and I think one way that he's structured his coaching staff as well, right? Like 
Frank bringing Frank Ponce in, a guy who's been a play caller, yeah, um, to sort of be Josh Gaddis's backup, so to speak. If Josh yeah. gets a job next, it's sort of like Jamil Adai, right? Your, your secondary yeah. coach. Um, let's say Kevin Steele wants to step down, or, or these guys want to retire at some point. Oh yeah, and, and Jamil Adai stepped into a really rough situation where West Virginia had to fire their, their DC right before the year. Mm-hmm. Did a co DC thing, and they actually had a really good defense that year. Yeah, so I, I think the way he structured the staff, it, it could survive some departures, and you'd, you'd still have some level of consistency for those players. So, uh, very interesting times in Miami. A lot, a lot better than what I was <laughs> covering at the end of last year when we were all like, "Is this going to happen? Is, is Manny coming back for year four? And I mean, just the money spending, everything. It's been just an incredible turnaround. It's night and day, and. Uh... Not haven't seen Manny in a life wallet ad yet, but you know we'll we'll, we'll see if it we'll see if it happens. This is <laughs> going to be one of the most fascinating stories to watch in college football because Miami basically announced, "Hey, we're going to get into the game the way Alabama's in the game, the way Clemson's in the game, the way Ohio State's in the game. If they can keep that up, then who knows? Maybe the U will be like the U we remember as kids, but." Mario Cristobal's got to get it done. A lot of pressure. Manny, thank you so much. By the way, no, Florida State and Florida aren't they're those you know great teams. Oh, those are, guys. Those guys aren't that great right now. So this is sort of the perfect opportunity, right? Wow. It's going to be a wild next few years in the Sunshine State. Thank you, Manny. Thanks. Thank you.